It's time for episode 369 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we travel half an hour into the future in just 30 minutes. I'm Dan Morin, your co-host, and I'm joined across this internet of ours by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How you doing today, Micah? I am doing so well, and I am excited. <laughs> Very convincing. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, you know, hacking, uh, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm looking forward to this episode. As am I. I'm looking forward to it because we have two fantastic guests this week. To my left, it is a writer and a podcaster, a co-host on popular shows like The Rebound and Biff. It's John Maltz. Welcome back, John. Hi, Dan. Um, I just want to set the expectation that I'm just feeling okay today. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's true. Put the bar, put the bar where it needs to be. I understand. Uh, and to my left is the consumer technology editor at Gizmodo. It's Caitlin McGarry. Welcome back, Caitlin. Hello. Thank you for having me. I feel great, honestly. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to kick things off with us this week. The Justice Department of the United States is suing Google for antitrust violations. Uh, undeniably, we've got some really big tech companies. Uh, my question for you is, do you think this actually seems like something that helps consumers, whether in the short or long runs? John? Uh, I think it can, as long as they focus on the right things. Uh, and that is that is kind of the question right now. And, and it, <laughs> there's definitely some concern about whether or not they're doing that. I personally, and I think it, it can help consumers and I think it can also help people like us who publish things if they focus on what Google does with, you know, the not not so much the fact that they have that search market, but the things that the other things that they do, like wrapping up things that we might write in AMP things and, you know, distributing them in, in ways that, you know, the sites that actually make the content don't get the, the credit for it. So... I would hope that there might be a way to get something positive out of this. Um, but also I, I saw Neela Patel was tweeting the other day about how some of the things that they're focusing on in this are like making sure that carriers can put more crapware on phones because <laughs> Google is trying to crack down and stuff like that. That's not helpful at all. It helps the carriers, which is, you know, part of my concern about what might be driving this kind of thing. Um, because the carriers, you know, maybe Google doesn't have enough friends in Washington, but I'm pretty sure the carriers have a lot of friends in Washington. So I, you know, like I said, I think, I think it could, um, it's just dubious as to whether or not it will. Yeah. For me, this feels like one of those spirit of the law situations. Um, ooh, spooky spirit. Uh, <laughs> spooky season. Where the spirit of the law is there to help us, but the actual action that is taking place and the sort of um, decisions that are being made, a lot of times don't seem to do a whole lot. And if they do do a whole lot, they end up doing something that doesn't help much of anybody. Uh, so that part is what kind of worries me about this is... Currently, we've got a lot of people in power who still have to ask for tech support on what, you know, Facebook, uh, how Facebook makes money and over and over and over and over again and can't figure out why they get emails from Facebook and all these other things that make you say, hmm, maybe I don't really want the power 
uh, to make changes to all of this in the hands of folks who kind of don't understand it. So I think that, you know, I'm certainly not calling for an end to uh, antitrust concerns or an end to antitrust legislation, but maybe put it in the hands of some folks who can actually understand and improve upon it as it's meant to be. Caitlin, (laughs) what are your thoughts? Um, I think this is kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? Like regulators are looking and lawmakers are looking at all of the major tech companies. I think Google is just the first to be, um, taken to court, uh, over all of this. Um, I do think the, you know, the ship has sailed in terms of search. I mean, you know, I used to use other, other search engines back in the day, you know, you had Yahoo, AltaVista, I might be dating myself, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they weren't good. Right. So, um, you know, Google got to where it is by being the best. Although I do think the search deals, um, that it made, uh, with, you know, handset makers to prioritize Google search and give it, you know, defaults, um, search engine status. Those are interesting. I'm I'm not sure if they'll find they were illegal. That seems like a common thing. But I don't know if that will be beneficial for consumers because what's the alternative at this point, right? Um, I think the more interesting thing will be uh the Justice Department looking at their, you know, digital advertising business, um, because there's a, a whole lot of um there's a whole lot going on there that's really opaque. And I think it will be interesting to see what comes out. Um, you know, in court, what we'll learn. Uh, but in terms of search, I'm, I'm really not sure that it'll be that helpful for consumers um, to break up Google in any way. Um, but it's, it's very interesting. I'm curious to see if any of the other, you know, big tech companies will be sued over mm. for their uh, monopolies, as it were. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you, Caitlin. I think this is just the first shoe to drop. And I think there's more to come in that regards. I, I you like John, I, I'm a little concerned about the way that this has been handled in terms of the argument they're making. This morning, I heard an interview on the radio with one of the state's attorneys generals, because there's like 11 states, I think, that are also sort of part of this lawsuit. And it was the least convincing case I've ever heard in my life. Like at one point, they're dragging out like that. Well, you know, Google is basically just a verb now. You, you know, people are Google things. And it's like... <laughs> That's irrelevant. That has nothing to do with anything. Like, I, and it just the the reporter did a great job of pushing back on like, what exactly are you suing them over? And they had no real clear like wow. central message about it, and it was disappointing because as we all agree i think there are serious concerns here and it seems like they are not looking at those they are looking at things that are totally like ancillary to that so i think caitlin you're right that the advertising business and the deals that's been made there and the like the mergers and stuff like that with google buying double click and all this stuff there's a lot there to to dig into But it doesn't seem to be necessarily what they're prioritizing. And I think that goes to Micah's point about people not really understanding how these things work and just being concerned about why does my Google result show up on page 10? I want my business to show up on page one. It's like uh, (laughs) algorithms, you know, sorry. So, uh, yeah, it's the tip of the iceberg, but the iceberg is also on fire. I don't know what's happening. 2020, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from John. So uh, going from the people in power who don't understand anything about technology to people who might actually understand something about technology, on Tuesday night, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilan Omar played uh, Among Us, which, if you haven't played, is a great game, on Twitch uh, with a number of e-celebrities. And my question to you is, what do you think of this use of video game streaming by politicians? Is it sort of pandering? Is it a waste of time? Or is it a brilliant way to engage people? 
Um, well, first I'll say that I hopped into the spreadsheet uh, happy and excited to uh, write in my topic about how AOC and Ilan Omar uh, played <laughs> Among Us on Twitch on Tuesday night, and that topic was already taken. It's a very good question. I'm glad you asked Mike, are it, you using John. this time to air your grievances? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I think, this, this, hey, this is, the, is the my time. This is my I'm time. I'm going to mute Thank your you. microphone. Hold on. I'm reclaiming my time, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, no, I, I I think this is great. I think this is wonderful. This is literally what I look to when I get upset and sad and sort of um, down about the future when we have folks not even understanding sort of how to use an email program or what advertising dollars mean in terms of a social media network. I have faith that we are going to get to a place where we do have folks in power who not only understand this because it is, you know, their job to, but also understand it because they've lived it. And it doesn't feel, it didn't feel like it was a put on. It didn't feel like it was uh, some sort of, you know, we're doing this as a entirely as a publicity stunt. And so that authenticity mixed with a promise for a future where the world that we live in, which is very much online, uh, will be in the hands of folks who understand it. I, I think it's fantastic. What about you, Caitlin? Um, yeah, I loved it, actually. I didn't uh, watch the whole stream, but I saw some clips of it and I was just cackling. Like, it was hilarious to watch. Um, and I thought that it was actually really wholesome in a time where politics seems like a disaster. Um, so I, I feel like it's probably a mix of both pandering and brilliant engagement, to be honest. But, um, you know, if people, if politicians are meeting people where they actually are, which in the case of, you know, a lot of young people, it's online, it's, it's games. Um, I think that's great because a lot of times you only see politicians going to where older people are, which is like town halls and, you know, in-person events like state fairs, you know, you have to have a mix of both. Um, I, yeah, I just thought it was, it was just really wholesome to see, like she was actually enjoying the game. I laughed watching her play it. Um, I kind of want to play it now myself. <laughs> so Same. I think, I think that's a success. And she was also like, you know, discussing topics that matter to people like healthcare. So, I don't think if I think if politicians are going to use it as like a here's why you should vote for me thing, that's not going to work. But if they're just showing up to have fun and, and hear from people, I think that's exactly what they should be doing. I like that people you're using wholesome to describe a game involving murder and sabotage. That's I mean, I know. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I missed the stream you because I was actually playing Among Us with friends. So ironically, uh, but I think that's some great points. One to Micah's point. I mean, I remember seeing years ago when the legislators were trying to make rules and laws about video games, right? And about violence in video games. And I'm thinking to myself, there's going to come a point where everybody in our government will have grown up, if not like playing video games, at least exposed to video games because they're insanely popular. It'd be like having, you know, a government in the 50s where they're like, what about the, all these talkies? You know, all the old people complaining. It's like, no, sooner or later, everybody is exposed to this form, this media. Um, and so I think terms when it comes down to engagement versus pandering, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, and I think it makes sense to, you know, essentially, like you said, Caitlin, go find the voters where they are. And if you can communicate your message, 
message to that, uh, to those people in that scenario, then I think that's a lot more helpful. And I think it makes a good point that it's kind of like the social media era of politics, right? Where it's like, if are you an influencer in politics, sort of? And you're using the same tools that a lot of social media influencers, influencers do, I think. And, and some of that is just like, I, I'm being engaging because that's who I am, but I'm also doing something that's fun and makes me seem approachable. So I think it's a really smart uh, move on AOC's part. Uh, and I think it's, it's you know, it definitely appeals to younger voters who are people who are, may not engage in the process otherwise. John, you want to wrap us up here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of you. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. And if it's pandering, it's the kind of pandering that politicians simply have to do. It's um, and it's not something that an older politician could probably get away with. Um, even I think it would be harder <laughs> even if they if they knew how to play the game and all that stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, the part of the problem is that so many of these politicians are older and then they have a tough time relating to younger voters and younger voters don't feel as engaged in politics because they don't share the same values or interests as the politicians are supposedly representing them so this this kind of helps with that problem and and politicians have been out kissing babies and going to barbecues forever and this is really no different and it's obviously better in a time when you know nobody should be going out and kissing babies and going to barbecues <laughs> i was also pleased that when i did the math i realized that i was um i was a little afraid that afraid that i was going to be uh, closer in age to like joe biden but i'm actually closer in age to ilan omar so <laughs> nice nice uh, we dodged that bullet <laughs> <laughs> temporarily all right that's two topics down two topics to go which of course means halftime here at clockwise and this week's episode is brought to you by sync up a OneDrive podcast look we're all stuck in our houses right now and we could really use something to entertain us something new to find diversion in and what's better than podcasts you're listening to a podcast right now you probably like podcasts if you're looking for some sort of new show to listen to sync up takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive, so you can learn about how to connect files share your documents and work from anywhere and you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too each show covers a dedicated topic has guest interviews features news and announcements plus a special topic outside of the technology norm wait a second that sounds like a, a really winning formula there and mm-hmm. so you have an idea of what to expect i want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in that were on previous episodes they've talked about empowering mac users changing management and product adoption customer success file sharing personal vaults and more i listened to an episode that was covering some of the big announcements from microsoft ignite this year as well as uh, you know in particular the OneDrive enhancements the ability to edit office documents offline from OneDrive, uh, the new Surface Duo and its integration with OneDrive, uh, the OneDrive home feature on iOS, lots of new features that really make working from a, a cloud storage service much more useful. And in this era where we're all working from home, cloud storage services have become so critical to how we get our work done every day. So it's important to see how those things tie in with the software and technology that we use every day. So go listen to it now. Just search for Sync Up wherever you get your podcast. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P, or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to Sync Up and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. That is halftime, which means Micah Sargent, it's your turn. Well, hi, never. All right. What topic do I have for you? Well, it just so happens to be about cloud storage, if you can believe. Uh, I'm curious, do you use cloud storage? And if you do, what's your vendor of choice? You you still rock in the Dropbox? You uh, use Box? You use iCloud Drive? Or do you just sort of put things on a flash drive and throw them up at the sky and, you know, go with that? <laughs> Caitlin, we'll start with you. Uh, Wait, does I'm that not, work? I'm not sure what those uh, Gone with the Wind vibes were, but I, I was into it. <laughs> I was really into it. Um, 
So I use a, a mix of Dropbox and iCloud. Um, I like to back up things and store things in a lot of different places just in case. Um, so I also store things on thumb drives, although that, that system is a little haphazard and I don't want to talk too much about it because it's <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> I will, I will get it together eventually. Um, but yeah, I use a, a mix, um, just so, you know, I have a few things, uh, stored in multiple places. Mm. Don't keep all your files in one basket. I understand. Exactly. Unless yep. they're on thumb drives that you put in a basket. That's fine. Yep. It's valid. Yep. I'm not here to say that's not. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I also use a mix, uh, primarily of Dropbox and iCloud drive. I was all in on Dropbox for a long time, but I ran afoul of, they changed the rules a year or two ago to limit the number of devices that you could have on the free plan and it annoyed me so much that i moved 90 percent of my stuff out of dropbox and into icloud drive which i've mostly been very happy with there's some cases where i have not migrated stuff over there so example i have shared folders with other people and icloud drive has added that but obviously it is a little less proven and i i've not had the same great results with it in places and i haven't been able mainly to convince other people to move to icloud drive for that which is the big thing uh, also dropbox has a really great file request feature that i use for a lot of podcasts which let people upload files via a web interface and icloud drive has nothing for that right now so there are a couple places where i still maintain dropbox um, but I've mainly moved to iCloud Drive. I, I have a you know cloud accounts basically with every cloud storage provider because you know they they give away that data. So I had like one drive, and I had some um, the uh, uh, what was the the other one I had Google Drive, obviously all that stuff. Um, but I mainly limited to Dropbox and iCloud Drive. John, what about you? Yeah, I'm in, I'm basically in the same boat as you, and um, it's funny the, the reason I, that I still mostly use Dropbox is because of the podcast that we're on together. <laughs> well, so let's move. We can do maybe it. Maybe we should talk. We should talk offline if we're <laughs> if we're waiting for Lex or something. We should just make it happen. Um, but I found that um, iCloud Drive has gotten pretty good in you know the past year, I guess, um, and I've been able to really kind of rely on it, and I've used it a lot. For some reason I have some weird networking things that go on in my house. And sometimes when I try and remote into another machine in the house, I can't, I can't get onto the file system and long story, but anyway, um, I found that I can actually, you know, remote control the desktop. And so what I usually do is like, if I want to file off there, I just get onto the machine, I copy it onto iCloud drive, and then I can copy it off on the, on the machine that I'm actually working on. And that works pretty well. I mean, it, you know, it's a, <laughs> I have other problems obviously, but it's nice that I have this tool that I can use that um, helps me get around the other problems that I have. All right. So it sounds like we all are, uh, you know, we all, we all have our different ways. Uh, I, I'm so mad at Dropbox because it. I want it to just be what it was, what it once was. Uh, I'm not going to go on a whole spiel again like I did that one time. Um, but essentially, <laughs> <laughs> refer to the argument. Yeah, please do. I did a I did a whole like modulated voice and everything. It was a whole deal. Um, Dan was out that week, so the you know yeah, mice were playing. I, no control anyway, over anything. Um, I really like that Dropbox is the tool that I can use for sharing. It's so easy to uh, share a folder that has a bunch of files in it to a person who needs it and working uh, out uh, outside of the office. I often do have to record videos and send them to an editor at Twit uh, for them to put together and you know help make my show. And so Dropbox has been the simplest tool to do that. And the other day, um, I 
I was not able to be around and I had files that I needed to get to Dan and I tried to use iCloud Drive to send them to him and I could not just create a folder that when files were put inside of it, he could open up that folder and those files would be there. Uh, for some reason, it just was not working. And it, I did... I. Had I didn't have the chance, excuse me, to upload them to Dropbox before I had to leave. And so they were on my uh, desktop and I've got that syncing thing in place and it just wasn't working. So I like Dropbox for the fact that it does all of the things that I need it to do with very few bugs or anything like that. You know, I can, I can count on it. But the problem is it does a whole bunch of extra stuff that I don't need it to do. And I hate the Dropbox app for the desktop with a fiery passion. (laughs) All right, let me calm down and let us move on to our (laughs) final topic, which comes from Caitlin. All right. Um, So I feel like we need to talk about 5G. Uh, Wow, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Okay. Um, So obviously, uh, you know, the new iPhones 12 are all uh, equipped with 5G and millions of people are going to be buying them um, starting this Friday. So that's obviously going to drive demand for these, you know, super fast 5G speeds that have been promised by everyone, including Tim Cook. Um, But can the carriers meet that demand and... Will people be happy with the speeds or will 5G end up being kind of a disappointment? Oh, wow. So I was looking at this this morning because I had some questions about it. And it turns out, A, uh, AT&T is remarkably hard to find information about the various flavors of 5G. And I mean, that's problem number one, is that the branding of 5G has been extremely problematic in a way that I feel Mm -hmm. like... It was a problem in early days of 4G as well, and it kind of settled over time. And so I expect that might happen with 5G as well. But like, first of all, you have to distinguish between the standard sort of 5G and then the millimeter wave 5G, which is the much faster but much smaller range stuff. Then you have to figure out where those places are. I could not figure that out in the AT&T coverage map. Verizon seems like it's a bit better in that regard. But again, because it's so localized, this is a technology that you're mainly using while you're like outdoors on certain streets or if you're, I suppose, in a very crowded place with lots of people using it, which is not a thing that you should be at right now. Uh, (laughs) So I think that's the biggest problem with 5G is, first of all, this is not of its own making. It came at the worst possible time uh, for technology that is about Uh, fast internet that you have when you're out and about Uh, secondly i think there's a muddling of the branding as i said and third it it is complicated to figure out exactly what you need to do you need to get a phone but you need to have a phone that supports the right type of network like you suggest people might need to change their plans i looked at my plan it is not covered by 5g right now so i would have to go to a more expensive plan which is not something i'm really interested in doing when i'm again not leaving the house very much so (laughs) i I think 5g is going to have a lot of struggles over the next year or so and may, may eventually stand like sort of settle down and become a technology that we rely on and certainly the millimeter wave stuff seems quite impressive in terms of speeds once you actually get there but getting there seems like a huge pain yeah i think it's going to be a disappointment in the short term and then eventually it'll it'll be you know something that we take for granted and be really but will be really nice to have and I, like you i was looking at the the coverage maps and everything and for, for verizon i noticed that um it, when i looked at my street i it looked like you know one of those gerrymandering um maps <laughs> and and i was i was removed from the regular 5g coverage like like it, there's like this sliver that goes up up through a number of blocks and ends at my house and it's like oh that's great and then 
and of course, then you know, on the other side down the hill from us, there's a ravine, and they they cover great in the ravine. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so I can always go into the uh, ravine, ravine if I want to get five G coverage. I fell <laughs> yeah, into and, the and and actually, I think a few people have lived in there, so I mean, I think maybe maybe they're trying to think of them, which is nice. Um, they could probably use it. The um, the other thing is that the millimeter wave is not even the only place is inv- available in Washington State is in Spokane. So I have absolutely no idea when it's going to get any place close to where I am. And like Dan said, the real use case for this is going to be when I'm out and about, and I'm just not out and about that much. So I I am looking forward to getting a new phone, and um, I but I think the things that I'm going to enjoy about the phone are are going to be other things. And uh, someday I hope to enjoy 5G, but I don't expect to do it for quite some time. My partner used to do phone support for Verizon. And all I can think about is all of the folks who work phone support for the different carriers who and and Apple who are going to be getting calls of people mm-hmm. asking, where's my 5G? Where's my 5G? I heard that there's 5G in the new iPhone. I heard that I'm paying extra because of the 5G radio. Where's my 5G? And why hasn't it given me coronavirus yet? Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't... Oh, no. I don't think that the that the phone support people will be able to answer most of those questions. Um, and for that, I feel bad. So I just, my thought is that that 5G radio that apparently makes the iPhone $100 more or however much it is, it's not actually that the radio costs a lot. It's that they're baking in all of the money they're going to have to pay to their support people who will be working overtime to answer questions <laughs> about 5G. And so that's really how I feel about 5G. I'm annoyed by how much um, Apple uh, hyped it up. I'm annoyed by the fact that the prices that were advertised were with subsidies from the carriers. Um I'm annoyed by the continued coverage because as it stands, most people are not going to see that huge benefit that the millimeter wave brings that is really where there's so much attention being paid. And the fact is, you you kind of, I was talking with Leo Laporte about this the other day, you kind of don't want your phone to connect to 5G because if it does, your battery is going to drain like 20% faster. So... I'm just all. What's the opposite of bullish? The uh, the <laughs> bearish. bearish bearish. I am a hundred percent bearish <laughs> about five G. Caitlin, why don't you round us out? Yeah, I I'm also pretty annoyed by the hype. I mean, I've been testing five G networks as they've been rolling out. I used to have to fly around the country when the carriers would flip the switch in a new city, and you test the speeds, and it was like incredible in one spot with my hand like in the air and the phone <laughs> like overheating <laughs> and then i'd see like you know two gigabits and that was great but everywhere else including inside it was like lte um i'm also really frustrated because i am actually testing the iphones 12 this week and i you know i have at&t i have this unlimited data plan i've had it for a couple of years i thought i was set and then i turn the phones on and I'm only getting 5G E, which is mm-hmm. not 5G at all, as I'm sure you guys have discussed mm-hmm. before. Um, and I checked my plan and it turns out unlimited premium and more is oh, not the boy. plan that supports 5G. <laughs> it's unlimited elite <laughs> and unlimited premium Jeez. and more doesn't exist anymore. So I mm-hmm. have to change my plan. 
It's so annoying. People are going to be furious when they discover that uh-huh. this plan that they've only had for a year and a half has been completely phased out and now they have to get a new 5G plan. And, you know, if if people like us who are well-versed in this stuff are finding it so infuriating, like I can't even imagine what someone who buys this new phone and just wants faster speeds is going to think when they have to jump through all of these hoops just to get there. So, um I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think that sums it up. All right. That's four (laughs) topics. Uh, Fortunately, we have just enough time for a bonus topic. My bonus topic for you this week, now that we're pretty much all working at home all the time, what's your go-to lunch, John? (laughs) Well, first of all, leftovers is probably it's the, not really probably, a, that's um, not really a food, but the, the okay, main one because I because I'm making so much more food now, I guess, and it's it's kind of nice to like make a nice meal and then have a whole bunch of it left over. Beans and rice for me. Yeah, nice, mm-hmm. Caitlin. Mm. That's a good one. Uh, you guys caught me on a really good week because my lunch game has been terrible up until this week specifically. Um, I got like a very gourmet salad set up. I have like smoked salmon, Ooh, avocado, a mm. homemade mustard dressing. Like I have Yum. leveled up and before before this week it was tragic. So thank you for catching me. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it's about lunchtime, so we'll see everybody at Caitlin's house and then uh, right. yeah, exactly. sounds good. I, you know, I think it's dangerous for me eating at home because there's definitely lots of things I'd like to eat for lunch every day that I shouldn't eat for lunch every day. And so I've really forced myself pretty much into just having a salad that I make for myself every day. But it's not a gourmet salad. It's not like a Caitlin McGarry salad. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh. It's like some greens, oh, some carrots. <laughs> That's it. Come on. I recommend a gourmet salad. All right. Okay. I have to upgrade. That's what I've learned. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We've reached the end of our show this week. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests. John Moltz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And Caitlin McGarry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>